Blessings to the Lord. We're excited about the word on today. We bless God. EPT, Audra Holly is coming to bring the word. Amen. said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's been a minute since I've been in the house, the building, but like my sister was saying, the church is in me. Amen. I just want to thank God for the opportunity on this morning. I give honor to my apostle, Suzanne Howard. I give honor to First gentleman, Deacon Bernard Howard. And of course, I give honor to all the leaders in Christ, the eldership, those who are in training. And of course, to the ecclesia at large, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. How good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. When there's unity, there's strength. When there's unity, there's power. What a mighty God we serve, as they say on this morning. I bless God for his might and his power. The power that he gives unto us. The same resurrection power that he gave to Jesus Christ. And we are, if you've been with us uh, these past several months, uh, we've been studying uh, the courts of heaven. And so today, um, the topic is, or the title rather, is the accuser's nature. So I just want to say welcome to those who are visiting with us for the first time, uh, whether you're viewing live stream, I just want to say hello to everybody who's viewing us live stream. Thank you for taking the time to fellowship with us. You could have fellowship with anybody else, but you chose to be with us. And for that, we say thank you. Amen. So God, I just ask that you would increase and that I would decrease, God. I pray that your word would fall on good soil on this morning, Father God, that it will take root in the depths of our heart, not just to produce fruit, but to, pro pro but to produce a harvest. Father, we thank you, God, that our ears shall be attuned to your voice and our hearts shall be open to see what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And you let me take your seats. You don't have to stand up. So we're talking about the accuser's nature. So when we talk about um, the nature of something, we're talking about the character or the behavior of something. And it goes, um, as the author was writing, he was saying, we must understand how the accuser is allowed to bring cases against us. And it's helpful for us to recognize his nature and his tactics. So we have to recognize what his character is, recognize what his behavior is, the tactics that he, uh, that he uses, his strategy, his schemes, his plans, his methods, the way that he maneuvers in the earth. This is what, the, this is what we're talking about when we talk about yes. the accuser's nature. Yes. Revelations 12 and 10 tells us that then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, uh -huh. now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So here we see that they're talking about the, uh, the enemy is the accuser. And who does he accuse? Our brethren, yeah. our brothers yeah. in the Lord. And who, uh, where does he accuse them? Before God, where, uh, when, day and night. So yeah. we see the how, the where, the why, the when. You get what I'm saying, right? The five whys. 
So, um, and, and I, I'm looking at the verse and it says, day and night he goes before God. So I know that he's not, that, that Satan is not omnipresent like God is, but he's able to move about. So he, I think he has his imps and his demons, you know, they're going out through the earth looking for some dirt to dig up on us, right? Yeah. So it's a day and night. So that means that seven days a week, 24 hours a day, right. he's in court, in the he courts of heaven, making a complaint against us. And I, I, I was imagining a court. You know how uh, they have the, the, the jury clerk? And you know, I'm, I'm imagining that there's a pile of papers on her desk. So this is all the affidavits, all the dockets, that, all the, the information that he has on us. And you can, I can imagine her saying, oh, docket number one, two, four, five, six, seven. Uh, uh, Satan versus TNG, Satan versus D. You know what I'm saying? I, I, can, I can see this in my mind, how they're talking about how he goes before the courts of heaven and he accuses us day and night. Now, the, the, the author says that please be reminded that the word accuser in the Greek is the word categoris. Yeah. So those of you who are taking notes, K-A-T-A-G-O-R-I-S, categoris. I know some of us, we have uh, electronic devices, but uh, those of you who are still doing chisel and stone, I'm going to wait for you to get your stuff together so you can take some notes on this morning. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> the laughter is good for the soul. I just want you to make y'all smile on this morning because it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Yes. Amen. So it's a, it, it, uh, the word categoris means that one who is against you in the assembly, a complainant at law. So this is what he, when he accuses us, he's making a complaint against us in the heavens. Uh -huh. That's what's happening. It said when he does that, he's building cases against us and he brings charges before the Lord. And the purpose of this is to deny our destiny because he doesn't want us to reach uh, the destiny that God has before us. Remember Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Yeah. God has a plan and a purpose for us, but Satan doesn't want us to reach our full potential in God. Right. That's right. So it goes on to say that, uh, and then it says that they're meant to devour us when and where he can. So any time of day, wherever he can, whenever he can, he's going to try to devour us. He's going to try to kill us. First Peter 5 and 8 tells us that uh, the adversary talks about the adversary. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around yeah. about like a roaring lion, yeah. seeking whom he may devour. Yeah. So here he is. So now the first uh, uh, scripture of text, Revelation 12 and 10, tells us that he's an accuser. Now here it is, 1 Peter 5 and 8 tells us that he's an adversary. So this is what an adversary is. An adversary is, a, a, is the Greek word antidikos, mm -hmm. A-N. T-I-D-I-K-O-S, antidikos. It means one that brings a lawsuit. So not only does he make a complaint against us, but then he brings a lawsuit. So notice that the purpose of the lawsuit, we go back to the text, says, seeking whom he may devour. That means the lawsuit is, the purpose of the lawsuit is to devour us, to take us out. When I looked up the word devour, it says to destroy. Then when I looked up the word destroy, it says to put an end to existence. He doesn't want us to exist, period. He hates our guts. Just like he hates Christ, he hates us because Christ is in us. Amen? Yes. Yes. So, the, so the, 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 the Bible says in John 10 and 10 that the thief comes not except yes. to steal, to kill, yes. and to destroy. Yes. He said, I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly. So this is what he's trying to do. He's trying to keep us from our destiny. He's trying to harm us. He's trying to steal everything that he can from us. Yeah. He's trying to take everything that's near and dear to us, yeah. everything that's precious to us. Yeah. That's his job. That's his motive. And he can only do this if he finds a legal right to bring a lawsuit. Amen. So that's why we have to be careful. It says when he discovers this in our bloodline, our own personal sin and transgression, transgression, he will stop, he will not stop until we stop him in the courts of heaven. So it's, uh, it's our job to help to stop him. Amen. 
because he's going to keep coming. What did the scripture say? Day and night. Yeah. He's going to keep yeah. on trying. He's going to try to dangle some dirt on us. He's going to keep yeah. on going, keep on going, keep on going. And if I go back to the text, 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, he's seeking whom he may devour. And I thought about Job, Job 2 and 2, when the, when the Lord says, where have you come from? He's talking to Satan. Yeah. He says, I've, I've been patrolling the earth, yeah. watching everything that's going on. And I thought about patrolling. You know how police cars, they patrol the neighborhood? Yeah. So I'm thinking, this is Satan. Oh, I'm going to drive down Joy Street today. Let me see what Joy doing today. I'm going to drive down Vanessa Street today to see yeah. what she's doing. I'm going to drive down Diane Street today to see what she's doing. That's what I think he's doing. He's driving. Yeah. Like he has somebody driving down our streets, yeah. trying to pay attention to what we're doing, yeah. seeing if he could catch us and slipping up, see if he's going to tempt us in any way that he can. Yeah. This is what he does. Amen. Now, it's helpful for us to know and understand his nature and his tactics. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So devices mean that there's some plans and schemes and some tricks that Satan has, but, but we cannot be ignorant of it. When we are ignorant of his devices, he, he begins to take advantage of us. So the author talked about, uh, he, he related to like a tennis match. If everybody watched tennis, uh, when there's a tie score, um, the person who gets the next point has the advantage. So if the person who has the advantage then scores again, they win, they win the game. So they have the victory. So we can't let Satan take advantage of us. Amen. We can't let him get in that position to be over us. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, so to have the advantage means that you're potentially one shot away from victory, like I said. So I thought about, um, there's an idiom that says, um, give him an inch and he'll take a mile. Yeah. Yeah. So when you give him a little power, then he's going to want more power from you. Amen. So, I, I, so that we're, we're allowing him to have the upper hand. We can't allow him to do that. The Bible says that when we don't know the taxes of the devil, we, at, we are at a disadvantage. While he has an advantage or an ad as, as it is referred to in tennis. So we must not be ignorant of, of his devices, says Paul. In any ways, we are, when we are ignorant, he has distinct advantage over us and can be close to victory. So I looked up the word ignorant. So it says uneducated, illiterate. So then I had to look up uneducated. So uneducated says that lacking in knowledge or lacking in training. Mm -hmm. So I said, there is no way that nobody in this house is lacking any knowledge or lacking any training. You have Sunday morning, you get a word. Uh, Tuesday morning, you might get a word, kingdom health. Wednesday, you got Bible study. Thir every other Thursday, probably what, uh, marriage counseling. Then you have uh, Friday, we have what, intercessory prayer. And, and if you are if you in leadership, Saturday morning, you were in training. So I'm looking at myself like, the only day I got off is Monday. <laughs> I don't even get a weekend. I get Monday. That's it. So how can we be not lacking knowledge? And, and, and then, I, and then it's the, 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 the author says that the word ignorant in the Greek is agnoeo. So A-G-N-O-E-O. -E ignorant, he defines it as means, it means to not know. It also means to ignore through disinclination. So I had to look up disinclination. So it says, an unwillingness, slowness, or hesitancy. So I thought about how we are. Sometimes we are hesitant. Yeah. We don't want to move. Or sometimes we're slow. Or sometimes we're just unwilling. And I thought about, um, I thought about if you're unwilling to do something, you're slow to do something, you like to stay in the same place all the time. You're, con you're content with being complacent. And we should never be content with being complacent. Right. And I thought about uh, the hamster on the wheel, how the, the hamster keeps rolling around, rolling around. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. 
He's going in the same place and doing the same thing. So what do they call that? Insanity. Yeah. So when you talk about insanity, that's instability, lunacy, right. stupidity, craziness. So why is it that we want to still be, uh, so why is it that we still want to be insane? Right. And I thought about how, uh, you know, how you, you ever driven around a rotary and you could keep going around the rotary but there's exits to get off? Yeah. Yeah. And we don't take the exit to get off. We're going to keep being in the same place, yeah. doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And we don't want to be like that. And I thought about it. I said, we have to renew our minds yeah. in order for us to advance so that we're not at a disadvantage. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it was just, it was mind-boggling to me. It was like almost like um, you're having faith and you do nothing with it. Yeah. Why on earth do you have faith and you don't work the faith out? Why, it's like almost doing like you know to do good, but you don't do it. That's, that's ignorance. Yeah. That's yeah. stupidity. That's lunacy in itself. Mm -hmm. So it says, in other words, ignorance can be a result of not having the right knowledge. It can also be having the knowledge but choosing to ignore it. So when we have the knowledge and we choose to ignore it, that's on us. Right. So we, then we wonder why we're in the trouble that we're in because we've allowed Satan to do what he can do because we're ignorant of his devices. Right. Amen. You get all this training, all this stuff. You, you get it. You, come into the house of God, you get all this training, you get all this word, and what do you do with it? Right. You're sitting here, you're getting fat, and you're not applying it to your life, right, and you right. wonder why you're not going anywhere, why you're not moving, and, right. and you wonder why uh, the devil has you in this place, because he's not, he's hindering stuff that from coming to you. Right. Stuff that God has for you, the destiny that God has for you, he's hindering it, he's holding it up. Amen. So we have to pay attention, and know the ways of the devil, and even in the legal dimension, he, say it operates in the realm of the spirit. He, know, he stays within the confines of the law. He don't go outside of the law. He knows what the law says. Uh -huh. So he works it out. Yeah. But we got to learn to work it out. Amen? Right. One of the ways we learn that schemes and the devices of the accuser is by examining his human nature and his nature in human form. So you know if God can uh, come to earth in the form of man, he can be, re can be revealed in the form of man, so can the enemy. Um, John 14, verses 8 through 9 says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Yeah. So how can you say, show us the Father? So here it is. The, the, Philip didn't even know who, who God was. You're looking at the Father. You're looking at me. I'm here with you. He, I'm revealed to you in the form of flesh. Think about it. John was John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, and the Word was with God. Yeah. Go down to the first book. Verse 14, it says, and the word then became flesh. So, so just as Satan was able to come, into, um, just as God comes in the flesh, Satan can use anybody he wants to in the flesh. Think about when uh, Peter, before Jesus was saying, I got to go, I got to go. I gotta, I'm going I'm to suffer some things. Peter was like, no, you're not, no, I want you to come with me. You're not going away. What did he say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Satan can use anybody because think about it, he's a spirit. So you, in order to inhabit earth, you got to have legal right to go into a body, right? You yeah. can't, spirit just can't come in. Amen. So one of the main reasons that Jesus even came to earth was to reveal the true nature of the Father to us. That's what his purpose was. And we see that, we see that Jesus also seen the Father in his nature when we see Jesus. God reveals himself through flesh and blood. That's how God reveals himself to yes. us. Satan as the accuser, remember he's the accuser, then he's the adversary, so let's remember who he is. Satan as the accuser is also revealed through flesh or human form, um, just as in John chapter 8, uh, verse 44. You are of the father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning yes. 
and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Think about when Jesus speaks, he speaks from the, his resources, who? God, the Holy Spirit. Yes. When Satan speaks, he's speaking of, of his own accord. That's what he does. So it says that he is the father of lies. So the lying was birthed in him. That's how it came. He put, he put the seed out. That's how it spread yep. to, through him. Yeah. Satan is the, the father of all lies. Now, Jesus said they were of the father of the devil. He's talking about the, the, the men that had came to him, the, uh, those Pharisees and those scribes. Um, therefore, they display his nature and want to fulfill his desires. And that was, that's what happens when Satan uh, takes over us. We want to fulfill his, fulfill his desires, mm. his ways. His, we, ha- we have his nature. They were manifesting him because his nature was in them. Um, the d- nature of the devil, the adversary, the accuser, is seen in human flesh. We can learn his ways and how he operates as the accuser by looking at a human's activity. So watch the activities of people. Sometimes you know who, you know, who the devil is. Messing with, you know, right, say, oh, right. oh, I know that ain't, that ain't nothing. You, that got to be the devil. You don't even act like that. So what's going on with you? You got to be the enemy messing with you today. You you better go back out and get it right. Come on, let me. Do I need to lay hands on you? Think about it. Because Jesus, it says that in John chapter eight, verses two two through eleven, Jesus is thrust into a situation with an adulterous woman, and here the leaders are bringing an accusation against him. So they also intended to bring. Ag- an accusation against Jesus from the circumstances. So we're going to read John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. Now early in the morning, he came into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him. So here they are testing Jesus, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. So he, imagine he's looking down, he's writing. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman was standing there in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So this is actually a court case. So yeah. Jesus was in the temple at the time teaching, and here come the Pharisees and the scribes. They didn't drag this lady out of wherever she was at, or whoever she was with, you know what I'm saying? Came and brought, him, brought her before God, right? Yeah. So, and we know that the penalty for death is, is, is uh, penalty for sin is death when she's found guilty. What is it? I think it's Romans, is it three and 20? I forget, but for the wages of sin are death. Um, and they were seeking to, um, to use the scenario to bring accusations against Christ based on his answers. So, when, uh, so we have to know that when the devil accuses us before God's throne, it will always bring shame and condemnation. Now think about how the lady's standing there, you know. Um, we have to remember when the devil brings uh, condemnation against the shame, we have to remember that Romans 8 and 1 says what? Therefore now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Yes. We have to remember that, that 
It's the enemy that brings the shame and the condemnation. It's not God. God will convict you. The enemy condemns you. Right. Amen. Right. There's a difference in that. Yeah. In fact, one of the ways you know where, where, know there is a case against you in the courts of heaven is the shame that you, it says, inexplicably sense and carry. That means you can, it's, it's something that you can't explain, but you know something's going on. You can feel it in your spirit. You can be like, yeah. okay, something happened with me today. I don't know what it is. You see, so and, and when, when that's happening, it, the author is saying that there's a case against us in the court of heaven. So we have to be, we have to have discernment. We have to know yeah. what's going on uh, in the spirit so that we, we will know that there's a case that's being brought against us. Then we have to begin to pray, you know what I'm saying, to get on our knees, go before God, you know, on our face, you know what I'm saying, so that we can go into the courts so that we can um, testify on our own behalf, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Right. So it says, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. It is early morning, according to scripture. She has clearly been drugged out of her house, right? <laughs> out of a man's bed, probably with little or no clothes on. Right. So it says, they have stood at her in the middle of this court to be tried. Mm -hmm. Not only is she afraid for her life, but she is standing there in utter and complete shame. Yeah. Maybe even nakedness. Mm -hmm. This is the spirit of the accuser at work. And I, I thought about it. She was naked, right? And, and it came to me, I said, I'd rather be naked before God than, be, than to be naked before man. Right. Because when you're naked before God, he can use you. You're at your most vulnerable. Yeah. You're at your most, you're exposed to him. Yeah. You know, you don't have the, all those layers on you. You're, you're completely naked before him. Yeah. I said, I'd rather be naked before my God than to, than to be naked before man. So yeah. imagine the shame and the guilt that she was feeling. Yeah. It, it brought me back to Genesis. When, they, when Genesis 3 and 7 says, yeah. and their eyes were open, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and they knew they were naked. But what happened? God will cover your nakedness. Yeah. He'll cover your nakedness before men. What you thought would make you feel embarrassed, yeah. feel ashamed, God will cover your nakedness. Yeah. I was, that, was, that just blew my mind. Like, I don't care, God. Let me be naked before you. I don't care what somebody gonna think about me. Their opinion doesn't matter anyway. The only person that matters is God because he's the one that judges you. Nobody has a heaven or hell to put you in. Shame is humiliation. Think about what she was feeling. Then he says they dragged her out of what she was doing. So she was caught in the middle of the act. So you know, you you ever seen cops, right? They be dragging the person out. They be ain't got no clothes on. The police don't even let them put no clothes on. Imagine this, this lady, you know what I'm saying? She went whomever, and they dragged her out of what she was doing. My and why this particular woman? They could have got any other holler. But they, just, they chose who they wanted to choose because they, want, they wanted to try to get Jesus. Right. So it says, shame is one of the most demeaning and destructive forces. Many people are living under the spirit of shame because of a case against them in the course of heaven. Yeah. So when you're feeling shame, there's a case against you. That's one of the signs. That there's a case against you because you're feeling shame, you're feeling guilt, you're feeling condemnation. It says the reason for the shame is the accusations being leveled at you in the court. You are intuitively picking up in the spirit what the devil is saying about you in court. So you know how sometimes you be you, you, you could say like my ears burning, somebody talking about me. <laughs> that's that's the devil. Right. So he's talking about me. He got, he got a case against me in the heaven. Think about it. Like little small signs that just tell you things. But we got to be able to pick it up in the spirit. Yeah. Is that this must be dealt with. Shame if unresolved will devour everything that is precious. So remember I said devour was to destroy, annihilate, it is no longer existent. That's what shame does to us. If we look at um, 
Jeremiah 3, verses 24 to 25, it, de it declares the power of the shame. Shame has power. For shame has devoured the labors of our fathers from our youth, their flocks and their herds, their sons and their daughters. We lie down in our shame and our reproach covers us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers from our youth, even to this day, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. So here it was, they were worshiping Baal. And they had sinned against God, and they were disobedient and rebellious. So that's what happened. When we were disobedient and rebellious, we can't even lie down in peace. Shame is, shame is covering them. It said they were covered in shame. Imagine what they were feeling. Everything their ancestors had worked for were devoured. Their lives were wasted and lost. This was their punishment for sin. This is what sin does to you. Sin makes you feel shame. Sin will try to devour you, devour you and kill you. I thought about Exodus 20, verses 5 through 6. It said, it punishes the children for the sin of the parents. Yeah. The, it said that their father, the labor of their fathers didn't even last because they were busy worshiping Baal, and they were busy being disobedient, and they, it said their reproach covered them, their sin covered them. And then they didn't even, uh, in the voice, they didn't even obey, obey the voice of God. And if we read down further, it says, notice that shame coming even from youthful times is devouring flocks and herds. So it can... It can divide what you what you hold dear what can prosper you. Yep. It can devour that too. It can take your wealth. This is the body of Christ, the church. So this was this is what's happening now. The people of, of the church are devoured and eaten away by shame. Mm -hmm. We're so ashamed of the things that we do, and we don't have to be because we have an advocate in Jesus. Yeah. You know, He goes to the Father on our behalf. Yeah. The it says the destinies are lost and forfeited because of shame that is coming from the accusation of the accuser. So our destinies are lost, and they're forfeited because of the shame. It says sons and daughters are also being devoured. So think about it. Think about your bloodline. Think about what was happening, and the curses that may be on your family, the shame that comes from that. You know what I'm saying? The children are going to end up being devoured. So we have to cut that, what is it, at the root. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, go against those curses, you know? The shame is quite often used to even try to motivate kids. This is something that we shouldn't even do. Shame is not a proper motivator. It says it actually fashions wrong thinking about yourself and makes you want to give up. Wow. So never use shame to motivate children. I thought about it. I was thinking about um, when we had the kids here. You know how we try to push little little Susie up? So go on up there. Little, little Tanika doing it. You can go ahead and do it. And they get up there. Think about it. They're, they look, they're like deer in the headlight. They look like, I can't, I can't say no verse. You know what if, What happens if they... Uh, Soil themselves or something. You know, people, children get nervous like that. You know what I'm saying? And then they're they're so embarrassed they're gonna never want to get up in front of anybody again because we're trying to motivate them because because yeah. trying to make them feel shameful because somebody else is doing something that they, they can't do and we should never do that. It says also notice we lie down in our shame. This means there is no vision. Shame causes people to feel completely unworthy of dreaming big dreams about themselves. And I thought about Minister Michael. He taught on Wednesday. Dreams come from God, but because of their shame, they were not able to get any vision or any dreams from God. Think about that. What is the Proverbs 29, 18 said? Where there is no vision, the people perish. These people were perishing. They were perishing because of the shame and the guilt, that, uh, because of the false worship of, of Baal that their ancestors had did. You, you can die from that, and you don't even get a vision or a revelation from God. Imagine not being able to hear the voice of God. Imagine being in his presence and hearing nothing from him. These, these, this must have been what the people were, were feeling like. They didn't hear anything. Nothing was coming through their ears. They didn't even have any vision. So they were perishing. 
It said they simply lie down and have no motivation for greatness. They don't even have, they don't even have the desire to achieve anything. They want to sit like they stuck. You know how you stuck in the mud, stuck in a rut? Yeah, That's what they right. were. They, wanna, they, they had no desire to do anything to, to, to bless God, to, to worship God, nothing. They had no desire at all for greatness. And God has a desire for greatness for us. The success is already built in us. Except we don't know that. This can be the result of the enemy releasing a case against us in the courts of heaven. So here it is. He's releasing a case against us. He, he got his affidavits together. He got all his information. As Minister Mike said, he got that residue he tried to stir up. Yep. He said, we must know how to go into the courts and repent for every place we have disobeyed the Lord. Amen. See, they didn't even bother to repent. They just laid down in the shame. They laid down in their good, wallowing in the mud like a pig because they were so dirty and filthy, but they didn't know that God could give you a new robe of righteousness. That God can wash away every sin. He said, your iniquities can be far from you. Think about it, as far as the east is from the west. He said, I buried your sin. I've thrown it into a sea of forgetfulness. But they were so, they were covered so much in the shame that they couldn't move. We asked for the blood of Jesus to speak for us and then do the spirit of shame and condemnation. The blood speaks. Think about it. The blood spoke out when uh, Cain killed Abel. Yeah. The blood cries out for us. We got to know what, we have to know who God is, who we are, what the blood can do for us, who Jesus is in our life. He says, there is freedom and dreams for the future on the other side of the court case. There are visions and dreams on the other side of the court case. You just got to, you just got to be, you got to just go through it. You know what I said? That God will be with you and you go through it. What he said? Even to the valley of the shadow of death, yeah, I am with you. Yeah. Even when you're in the, standing in the courtroom, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I'm seated at the right hand of God the Father. Yeah. Does it also say we're also seated in the heavenly places? Yeah. You got to know where your position is. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> we don't know our position. Yeah. We're so worried about the opposition, though. My, my, my. Another part of the nature and tactics we see is the accuser uses God's law and standard against us. Yeah. Yeah. So chapter John 8, verses uh, 8 and 5. Mm -hmm. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? So here they was trying to tell Jesus, who was the word, what the word said. <laughs> who does that? I'm going to tell Jesus what he said. Yeah. Now if I was Jesus, I would have told him, uh, was you there on Mount Sinai? Because the only person I saw was Moses. That's the only person I gave tablets to. Where you was at? Because I ain't, I don't remember giving an invitation to you. Did I ask you to come up here and spend 40 days with me? No. So how are you going to tell God what the word says? He is the word. They're trying to trip him up and confuse him. Like He's going to be like, he probably looked at him like, is y'all stupid? Are you foolish? What's going on here? In Leviticus 20 and 10, it says that the woman should have been stoned because that's what, that's what the sin is for adultery. But they were trying to trip him up because they weren't even concerned about the lady. They were concerned about him. So the law of God and the standard of God we have broken is always what's used against us to build cases and bring curses. So whenever we break the law, you know the enemy got a legal right to build up a case against you. The accuser takes the word of the Lord. He uses it. So he uses it to build cases against us. 
every place that we have disobeyed and transgressed. Every time we rebel against the law of God, the devil documents it. So like I said, he's writing it down. So he can't be everywhere at all times. So he got his people out. I like to say he got a paralegal team. He got his paralegal team. They write. They got their information all together. Okay. They write everything down. Yeah, Gwen did this on uh, June fifth at this time, ten o'clock at night. That's how they doing it. That's how his paralegal team is in work. They in force. They in full force. Where's our Where's our paralegal team? Come on. They write, he writing everything down that we do. Whenever we break the law, whenever we rebel, whenever we don't want to obey leadership, he writing it down. He writing everything down. This is always the basis for the case against us. Even when we make an error in judgment, he's writing it down. He's holding it against us. Of course, this means not only our personal sin, but the sin of our bloodline. So he already got that written down. We may not know what, uh, what uh, granddaddy and great granddaddy did, but he know. That's why we have to go back, like the apostle said, and go back and find out what happened in your family yeah. bloodline so that you can break that curse off of your bloodline. He also builds cases against cities, states, and nations from the disobedience to God's word within the history of culture. Think about, think about the uh, tribe of Israel. How many years they spent in the wilderness? They didn't even have to be, go that, that way. They were disobedient. You, what could have took a few days? Took forever. Come on. We, we hold up our own destiny. It's not just the enemy, but we hold our own self up because we're disobedient. We're rebelling. We're not listening. We're not taking into consideration the consequences of what may happen because we're disobedient also. This is why we have to repent of everything we are we are aware of. That's why you have to repent. And they said, what? Do it quickly. Don't wait. Father, forgive me. How David, did, how David said it, it's before the Lord that I sin. Yeah. It's before you that I sin, God. Forgive me, God. We have to quickly repent. Turn away from that thing that you were doing. Confess it. Acknowledge that you made an error. Acknowledge that you messed up. It's okay. He ain't going to say, oh, baby, get out of my face. He's going to say, it's okay, baby. He's going to come. He's going to hug you up. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I got you. It's okay. You can make a mistake. You don't have to be perfect. See, that's what people, the, the heathen or the non-believer believes that we're perfect. Right. We're not perfect. We just know that we're, we're being perfected. Yeah. We haven't got to that place of perfection yet, but we're still working out what they say, our soul salvation. That's why we have to repent. When we do this, we are agreeing with the blood of Jesus to silence and remove these accusations. So when we repent, it shuts the mouth of the enemy. He's silenced. There's no more accusations that can come when we do this, when we repent. So repent quickly. Whatever you do, whatever mistake you make, repent quickly so the accusations can be silenced. And also in the verse it says that we see that the ultimate purpose of the accuser is to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10 and 10. Steal, kill, and destroy. They wanted this woman dead when they talked about John in chapter 8. They desired to stone her and were willing to sacrifice her life to make a case against God. So the devil used anybody. Think about it. He used anybody to get to you. He used anybody to get to Jesus, try to trip him up. And that's what he does with us. He'll use, he'll use somebody in your family to try to trip you up. He don't care. 
He, because he wants you. He know what he know your plan. He know your destiny. The thing of it is, we don't know our own destiny because we not we, we haven't uh, sat in the face of God long enough to know what His good will is. What does Romans say? Uh, uh, give your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then will you know what that good and perfect will is concerning you? We don't know the will. That's why we get tripped up. And the purpose of the, the cases against us in the courts of heaven is to steal away our dreams, kill our ambition, and destroy our destiny. So remember said we said they had no motivation. He killed their ambition. He killed it. He stole away their dreams. They didn't even have, they couldn't even get no dreams from God. He stole away because of the shame that they were feeling. He destroyed their destinies. Remember, the kids even perished. We cannot imagine how cruel and malicious the accuser really is. He's bad. He said he, the, he's a wild, he, what is he, the wildiest of all creatures? We must know how to answer every accusation to silence his desires and secure our own destiny. We have to know how to respond to him. We can see this from the account and the temptation is to secure, that he's trying to secure his case against us. And it says that John chapter 8 and 6 says that we were seeking something to accuse Jesus with. They had set up the scenario to try to trap Jesus. So here they, they're trying to ensnare him. You know how the, the Psalm 91 ensnared in the trap of the enemy? That's what they're trying to do with Jesus. So the real person they wanted to bring the case against wasn't even the woman. It was Jesus. We go back to uh, chapter John, verse 8. This they said, testing him, that they might have something on which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. As with the accuser, as with Jesus, the accuser sets traps for us. He wants to lure, lure us into a place of sin so he can have a legal right to destroy us. So he's trying to lure us. You know, he puts stuff out there that's tempting to us. You know how like a fish, like a fish on the hook, like you, like you got the bait on the hook for the fish? You're trying to lure that fish. You're trying to catch something. That's what he tries to do with us. The enemy tries to catch us in some things. He said, when you realize this, it will propel you to greater realms of holiness. So once we realize that, we're, we're going to be propelled into greater realms of holiness. When we give into temptation, we're actually granting the accuser evidence to build a case against us. So when we give into that temptation, we already gave him ammunition for his case. We didn't give him another uh, legal document, another affidavit to go against us because we've, we've uh, now submitted to temptation. This is why First uh, John chapter 2, verse 1 is a verse to live by. It says, my little children... These things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So if we sin, we have an advocate. Who is the advocate? The helper, the paraclete, the par excellence, as apostle trained us, right? We have a, we have a helper in Christ. So if we mess up, we mess up, we have somebody that can help us to get out of that situation. But we, but we want to stay shameful. We want to stay in the guilt. We want to stay in the condemnation. And that's not what Christ wants us to do. It says the first ambition and desire should not be to sin. That's our first ambition. Don't, don't desire it. Mm -hmm. If we sin, however, we should be quick to repent. When we repent, Jesus Christ, the righteous, our advocate, stands on our behalf. Yes. We are forgiven based on Jesus' reputation on our behalf before the Father. It ain't got nothing to do with us. We are forgiven because of Christ. Yes. So you don't have to worry about being ashamed about what you've done. Christ is all, we already been forgiven. Yeah. We're gonna, our case is going to be um, heard in the court, and we're going to be acquitted. Yeah. Just because of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Come on. We are forgiven based on his reputation. 
on his present representation of us. So he our lawyer. He better than Johnny Cochran. Come on now. We ain't got to worry about no glove fitting us, nothing. He better than Johnny Cochran. He's the best lawyer. What he said? He's a wonderful counselor. Come on now. He's wonderful. He knows how to counsel. He knows how to take a, a, case, a case to court. He knows how to represent us. Think about it. When they were... Before Jesus saying all these things about the lady, they, they said he, he said nothing to them. There was no refutal. There was no rebuttal. Yeah. There was no I objection. Yeah. Uh -huh. Come on. Yeah. He, he didn't have to say nothing just because of his representation. Yeah. We're forgiven. Come on. So we must deal with things quickly so we don't give the devil the legal right to devour. We have to deal with it right away. We can't hesitate. We can't wait. We got to move quickly. This is the purpose of temptation. It is not just to get us to sin, but even create a legal right to devour us. So when temptation comes, he's trying to devour us. Just know. So, so when he dangled that little cake in front of you, you ready to devour you. Think about it. When Pookie calling you late at night, that's the temptation. He's ready to devour you. When Shaniqua calling you at night, he's ready to devour you. Think about it. We got to be, be on our A game. Come on. It says, in this story, we also see a revelation of who the intercessor is and who the accuser is. We see the accuser and we see the intercessor. Yes. Come on now. John chapter 8, 10 through 11. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? He has, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Here was, there was, there was, Come on, they was wilding out in the in the yeah. temple. Come on now. Yeah. They drug her in. Jesus, this lady done sin. Yeah. She been in this man bed I don't know how many times. Yeah. What you going to do about it, Jesus? Don't it say Moses said in the law, you, we got to stone her. What you say? Yeah. 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 He right. He ain't saying nothing. He ain't said what they said, mumbling word. He ain't said nothing. But when he told her, when he said, where are your accusers? Come on now. When he told them, uh, he who was without sin cast the first stone. Yeah. I like to think they did the moonwalk out the out the temple. <laughs> they backed up. They backed up like <laughs> where they go. They left the temple. Nobody was around. So think about it. He will stop the mouth of your accuser. That's what he does. When he's making an accusation against you, he will shut their mouth up. They can't say nothing else against you. That's who God is. That's our advocate. That's our helper. That's our paraclete. That's our par excellence. Come on. They backed up out of the temple. Everybody, one by one, they left. One by one. Nobody had nothing to say. And I thought about it too. I said, when the enemy tries to expose you, he ends up exposing himself. What? He ended up exposing his own self. Those men exposed them all themselves. Here they was trying to point the finger at the lady, and they themselves were guilty of sin as well. Yes. That's what happens when the enemy tries to accuse you. He shows himself. Yes. 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 Okay. My God. They couldn't say nothing. They were exposed them themselves. So here they were naked too. But they, they was ashamed because they left out. That conviction got them. They said, let me get up out of here. Because he's going to call us to the carpet too. He's going he to be trying to judge us too. What the Bible said, judge not lest ye be judged. Here they were trying to judge this lady for her adultery, for her sinless, for her sinful behavior, and then they themselves were going to be judged. That's, you got you to gotta know. Watch who the enemy is. 
It says the accuser's purpose is to bring us under judgment and condemnation. They were trying to get judgment. They were trying to get judgment. But they didn't know they was going to end up being judged themselves. So they had to leave about that place. It got too hot in the kitchen for them. They said, we got to get out of here. I'm, they probably sweating like, oh, Jesus, let me, let me get out of here. Ridiculous. So it says, the purpose of Jesus who stands as our, as our intercessor is to free us from all judgment. Through this courtroom activity, the woman was free from something the law would have demanded. The law, she was free from something that the law would have demanded. Jesus operating as her advocate was able to answer accusations and set her free. He was able to answer it. Sometimes people think Jesus is standing against them. This is not true. Romans 8, verse 32 through 34 declares that what is working on, that he is working on our behalf in the courts of heaven. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who? I'm the elect of God. So what right do he got to bring a charge against me? Come on now. It is God who justifies. He justifies us. Come on. He glorifies us. He sanctifies us. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and further is also, furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, what did I say, who also makes intercession for us. These verses, among other things, declare if Jesus is resisting and condemning us, he is working against his own sacrifice. So he's not condemning us. He's interceding for us. He intercedes for us in the courts of heaven. He is standing as the mediator, great high priest intercessor. He makes intercession for us. So all of heaven is working on our behalf. Think about it. Angels working on our behalf. Jesus working on our behalf. That's his legal team. He got the best legal team. Come on. Forget that paralegal team of the, uh, the enemy of Satan. We got the best one. We got the best defense in heaven. Is that all of heaven is working on our behalf to answer every accusation against us. So think about it. They come up with an accusation. You know what I'm saying? Jordan did this last night. Oh, the blood. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Come on now. The blood. They Vanessa. The blood. Come on. Right. Come on. Gwen. The blood. Nothing. Nothing they can say against her because the blood covers us. It speaks for us. There is no charge against us that can stand as we humble our hearts repent and accept and declare his blood that was shed for us. So we have to repent and confess and declare. Declare the blood. Speak about the blood. Cry out the blood, the blood, the blood. We got to be like the saints of all the blood. The blood prevails. Come on now. I said, no matter what the, what? How it go? The blood prevails. That's right. Come on. The blood prevails. Yeah, yes. Matter what the, that's right. Come on. The blood prevails. We got to declare the blood that it prevails for us. Come on, it was working on our behalf. We got to know, uh, we got to know what arsenal we got in our armor. Come on. Come on. Not just the whole armor, God, but the blood the works too. Come on. Yeah. It, ain't, it ain't about your helmet of salvation, that blessed plate of righteousness, that sword of the spirit, that belt that's holding up, holding you up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The, the shield and, and, and your feet, it's the blood. The blood works for us. As dealing, as Jesus was dealing with these accusers, he is seen sitting and waiting on the Holy Spirit to answer the accusation. So all the while he's writing, he waiting for, he waiting for the confirmation. He waiting yeah. for the words to say. Yeah. 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 He, 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 he didn't have to whisper like, we're gonna say, we're gonna say. No, he waited for the Holy Spirit to give him the words to say. Yeah. Yeah. He waited for the Holy Spirit to give him a response. Yeah. And that's what we gotta do. We gotta wait for the Holy Spirit to tell us what to say. 
to the enemy. Right. We have to wait and hear from what God is saying to us. That's why our ears have to be attuned to his voice. It's to open the eyes of my heart, God, that I can see you, see what you're doing. That he's waiting on them. They ask and they keep and they keep on asking him for his judgment. They kept on asking, but he was he ignored them. He was like, I'm just waiting for God to speak. So we have to wait for God to speak. Don't move ahead. Wait for God to speak. John chapter 8, verses 6 through 9. This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stood, stooped down, and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they had continued asking him, he said he raised himself up, and he said to them, he who was without sin, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and rolled on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, remember they was convicted, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest to even the, to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman. It was just him and her in the courtroom. Everybody else was gone. Everybody had to clear the courtroom. He didn't even have to say clear the courtroom. <laughs> he didn't have to say clear the courtroom. They all cleared the courtroom. It said, many people have said he wrote the names of the accusers in their sin. Perhaps he wrote the name of the woman name of the man that the woman was sleeping with. But he wasn't on trial. Think about that. They wouldn't have got the woman. Why they didn't get the man? He was just as guilty as she was. Why they didn't pick him up? So they left him there, picked her up, and brought her before the court. They could have brought him. Why the woman? You see how these people, tell them that work? By the standard of the law, they should have picked him up too, but they didn't. Says, All of this is fine. It's the author was saying he, uh, he simply was waiting on the Holy Spirit to give him the answer to the accusations. So as he was writing in the dirt, he was waiting for the answer. So the result was mass conviction in the heart. Remember I said they got convicted and they left out. So all the accusers left. The case was dismissed. The woman was freed and Jesus was not trapped. So they didn't catch him in that. They tried to, catch, they got, they tried to trip him up. They couldn't trip up Jesus. This all happened because Jesus depended and listened to the Holy Spirit. We got to depend on the Holy Spirit. He's the one, what is that? He's a, he leads us and guides us in all truth. We got to depend on the Holy Spirit. We can't wait for man to answer us. We can't wait for our husband to answer our, our, our wives, our, our, our friends. We got to wait for the Holy Spirit to answer us. That's who answers us. That's who gives us the right answer. That's who gives us our counsel. When we are asking and making cases in the court of heaven, we must listen to the Holy Spirit. Someone recently told me that after researching the word comforter in the Greek, which refers to the Holy Spirit, they found it to mean one who brings legal aid. So think about the comforter brings legal aid on our behalf. We, I always thought about as the comforter, uh, he, he comforts you. Like, you know, somebody give you a hug, they're comforting, comforting you, but he's giving us legal aid. He's our legal aid, and we ain't got to pay no money for him. Come on. You ain't got to give a retainer. You don't even have to have a retainer. He's free. His services are free. I ain't got to spend no money. I ain't got to say, Mama, I got to borrow some money from you. <laughs> I got a case. I got a case. I done caught a case, Mama. No. His legal aid is free. free. Pro bono, he do it. Right? Come on. Pro bono. My God. His, his services are free. He, 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 the Holy Spirit knows how to help us and answer any and every accusation in the course of heaven. My God. We have, to know, we have to know who's accusing us in the courts of heaven so then we can be able to go into the courts of heaven and, and bring the case and silence those accusations. We have to know how to silence it. And it says, it has taken the wisdom of the spirit of God to answer these cases and make my own case in the situation. This is what the author was saying. 
So you can't leave anything undone. You can't, you can't even, um, if you leave it undone, you invite curses into your land Amen. based on their accusations. So you, we can't do that. So we have to make sure that we take care of things right away. Repent. You know, take care of it. Don't, 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 don't wait till, well, I'll pray about it tomorrow. I'll, I'll do right. this tomorrow. No, I'll repent tomorrow. No, repent now. Right. The time is now. Right. Do it now. This is what Jesus was doing. He waited on the counsel of the Spirit. When it came, it says he spoke the word that shifted everything. Everything shifted. The whole, the, like I said, the whole courtroom shifted. Everybody left out. The, the whole atmosphere shifted when he speaks. Think about it. You, you begin to shift when he speaks, okay? He said not guilty. Yeah. So you begin to lift your hands. Your, your demeanor changes. Yeah. Everything changes. You, 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 your countenance changes when he says not guilty. Come on, think about it. Once the accusations were answered and the accusers were silenced, the Bible says in John 8, verses 9, that all of them left convicted with their consciences. Their consciences were convicted. So then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and a woman standing in the midst. Mm -hmm. It says, I have found that we deal with the accuser in court when we win the case against them. He leaves. So he leaves us alone. After we won the victory, he leaves us alone. Probably until the next time he, you know, he try to find some more dirt on us. But you know, in any, in any event, we still got a victory. He gonna leave us alone after we deal with the case. We got to deal with the case right away. We can't let it linger on. You know, so you know how the, uh, they tell you that you go to you go to court and they tell you, oh, uh, it's been uh, what they, they they move it to another date. You gotta you gotta take care of it right away. You can't let you can't let it go to another date. He says, once he leaves, we are free to ask for what he has been resisting. Then we're free to ask what it is that was holding us up. Think about the, like Daniel, in the book of Daniel, the, 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 the angel was holding up what they were supposed to receive. Yeah. That's what the enemy does with us. He's holding up what, is it, what was meant for us because we don't take care of the accusations right away like God told us to. Yeah. We want to let the court case linger on. No, yeah. take care of it right away. Get, it, get over and done with. Amen. You can't procrastinate on that, on that matter. It says, the Lord is now free to answer our prayers and release us from the destinies, to us, to us the destinies belonging to us. So this is what Jesus did with the lady. He released her destiny. He asked her where her accusers was at. They left. And then when he did, he spoke life into her. He said, go and sin no more. So after that, he speaks life back into you. Let's think the lady, she didn't have no life before. She had no prospects. She had no promises. Because she, here she was an adulterous woman. But then he said, when her case was was heard and he freed her from all the guilt, he said, "Go and sin no more." He gave us a he gave our purpose. Now she was motivated. Now now she could do something different. She ain't got to sleep with the man that she was with. She could do something else. Come on, think about it. He gave her life back. What was supposed to be a death sentence for her, he gave her life. That's what Christ does with us. He gives us life. We had all think about it. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Already we have something against us. But we have to. We have to. We must know who our accuser is. We gotta know. We even gotta we gotta self-regulate. Be self-aware. How we've been taught. Come on. Because he's he's roaming around. He's trying to devour us. He's looking to devour us. He don't want us to exist. He hates God. He hates us. Amen. We're the we're the we're the the little gods in the earth. What is, what's the angel say? What is, what is man that you are so mindful of them? We are his creation, formed in his image and in his likeness. That's who we are to Jesus. That's who we are to God. He made us. He created us. He says, um, what uh, he had won in court. So what that must have felt like for this woman, facing certain death because of her sin. 
She then had Jesus stand for her and free her from the accusation and judgment. Jesus stands on our behalf and frees us from any accusation, any judgment that the enemy tries to come against us. That's what he does. So she got her life back. He always has an answer to the accusation. Jesus always has an answer. It may not come when you want it, but he got an answer. But they say he's, he, he, he may not come when you want, but he's always right on time. So when it's, when it's the time, he's going he's gonna to free you. Then, you're gonna, then whatever the enemy was holding back from you, you're going to receive it. Now, now is the, the, how do you say, the heavens are going to be opened up. Mm-hmm. And you're going to receive uh, the promise and, the, uh, and whatever it is that God had for you. So we can go into the courts with him and answer every accusation because of the blood and who Jesus is. That's what we can do. So think about it. We got to know who he is. He's our accuser. He makes an, a complaint. He's our adversary. He brings a, a, a lawsuit against us. You know, so he tries to make us feel guilt, shame, and condemnation. You know, so he tries to devour us, to kill us, to destroy our destinies. He, when and wherever he can, he does this day and night. So we have to be on our post. We have to be, uh, we, uh, the Bible said, um, you have to know um, Ephesians 6 and 11, put on the whole armor of God, therefore, so that you can stand against the wiles of the enemy. We have to do that. We have to be able to stand against his accusations, his accusations and his attacks. We must do that. That's what we have to do. So I'm done. Uh, thank you for listening attentively. <laughs> thank you for the notes. We're going to get ready to move into communion. Um, Dr. Joy, can you give me my communion over there? I, I hope you've, you've learned something, you've got something out of it. You're going to take this and put it in your arsenal like a, like a bow, uh, in your, your, your feather, uh, to take it and use it because the enemy is trying to devour us. He's trying to kill us. He's trying to wipe us out, and we don't want to be wiped out. There's work for us to do. God has a plan and a purpose for us. We can't let him have the upper hand. He, if we let him win the point, he got the advantage. And then if he wins the next point, he has the victory over us. We don't want to give him the victory. We, it says that we overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. It says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So he's going to form a weapon. The accusations are weapons. The, the complaints and the lawsuits is our weapons that he uses against us. But it's going to form, but it's not going to prosper. What do we say when we, ter- when we uh, heard the word that he freed the woman? So, it's, so she got a, a not guilty sentence. Instead, she received life. That's what we got, life. Blood, the blood, life is in the blood. My God. So I want everybody to just examine themselves, take some time. There's anything that you've done that you knew that was displeasing in his sight. Now is the time to repent and to ask for forgiveness. He said, if we, were, uh, if we just confess our sins to him, he is just, he is faithful enough to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It didn't say a little unrighteousness. It didn't say a little bit of unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. He forgives us and he cleanses us. This is what Jesus does on our behalf because of the blood that was shed on Calvary for us. Come on. So, Father, I thank you for these, your people, God. We, we, we repent now, God. If there's anything that we may have done that was not pleasing your sight, God, we ask for your forgiveness now, God. We plead the blood, Father God. We thank you for the, uh, we plead the blood of our families, Father God, and our bloodline, Father God. We know that the blood prevails, Father God. The blood acquits us and it sets us free, God. Father, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory, God. 
And the word of God says that when he got together with them, he took the bread and he lifted it up. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. So take and eat of the bread. And the word of God says in the same manner he lifted up the cup which represented the blood of the new covenant so may we drink of the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on give God some praise. Hallelujah. Come on and magnify him. If you're in the parking lot beep your horn. You're in the building clap your hands stomp your feet. Whatever you need to do. Thank God for the blood. Do 
lose its power. The blood, the blood, the blood frees us. We're not guilty because of the blood. Come on, we live because of the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood. The blood. The blood, the blood. Come on, the blood. The blood, that's why the saints of all always said the blood. That's why they plead the blood of everything. Put the blood on your blood. about anything. The blood prevails. It's the blood that works on your behalf. We have an advocate and we have an advocate in God the Father in Jesus. He's our helper. He's our aid, our legal aid. We didn't have to pay nothing. We didn't have to pay him anything. He did it for free. He died for us for free. He laid down his life. He said they can't take my life. I give my life over so that we all can be free in this room. You don't never have to be free. Don't be, don't be bound with the, the, the guilt and the shame. Come on now, loose the chains. The chains have been loosened. There's no more bondage. You are free. There is liberty in Christ. So whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You are free. You are not guilty. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this impartation, God. We thank you for the blood, God, that was shed for us, God. We thank you for these, your people, God. Those whom you desire to walk in liberty, God. Father, God, as we leave this place but never your presence, God, let the blood continue to be poured on us, God. Let us put it all around us, God. Let it, be, let it cover us like an armor, God, like a suit, Father. Father, I say to your people, go in peace, God. Guard their minds and their heart, God. The peace that you give, God, can surpass all understanding, God. So we thank you for this time, God. We thank you for the opportunity to come before your presence, God. We thank you that we have access into the holies of holies, into the courtroom of heaven, God. We thank you, Father God, that we've been found not guilty, God. We give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. In Jesus' name, go in peace. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.